0: Well, good morning, everyone. As it's been announced and uh, even mentioned in Greg's prayer, uh, Sean is away. He's in eastern North Carolina, specifically Wilmington, North Carolina this morning where he was invited to preach. And they're also going to spend some time uh, as a family vacationing in east North Carolina. So knowing that, I planted a bug in Gigi's ear. Mitch knows what I'm talking about, to try to eat some East Carolina-style barbecue while they're there. (laughs) Good stuff. About a week and a half ago, while camping with three other brothers, there was a consensus among us that if the situation and the demands that Americans faced in 1941 through 1945, if those situations were present today, that the public response would not be anywhere near the quality of the response that was made by that generation. In thinking about that, I personally concluded that one of the key ingredients that would bring about such a unfavorable generational response is the diminishing of a key characteristic in our society, the reduction of loyalty. (laughs) This morning I hope to show you the importance of loyalty and convince you of keeping it or having it become a significant ingredient of our Christian character. Now loyalty is not a major subject or a topic in the Bible, but it is important and it is very much implied throughout God's word with the Bible being rife with many examples of both good and bad instances of loyalty as implied here's an example found in proverbs 24:21 which reads my son fear the lord and the king and do not join with those who do otherwise the truth is loyalty is essential to the most basic things that make life livable without loyalty there can be no love Without loyalty, there can be no family. Without loyalty, there can be no friendship. Without loyalty, there can be no commitment to God. No commitment to community. No commitment to country. And without these things, there can be no society. Loyalty was once highly valued and in vogue. Ancient Greeks basically felt loyalty was the defining character of a hero. But since those times, there's been a climate change when it comes to loyalty. In the course of modern day life, loyalty seems to be missing in action. Everywhere one can look, we see not loyalty, but disloyalty, tabloid magazines, fly off the shelves when friends and boyfriends and girlfriends share details of relationships that at one time would have been assumed to be private. And books, books airing someone's dirty laundry top the bestseller lists. Loyalty is now seen as old fashioned, it's out of fashion, and it's viewed as a character flaw. However, no matter what you feel about the significance of loyalty, loyalty is the cornerstone of stability in all relationships. The world of business today is feeling the loyalty and the disloyalty crunch. Companies lose half their customers, half their customers within five years. And on average, half of their employees within four years. Downsizing has become the prevalent means of re-engineering corporations and companies. Employees who have been loyal for years and even decades are told that their company can no longer be loyal to them because it's not economically feasible to retain them. And many employees become disloyal when they even fail to show up or work, but customer loyalty is one of the key indicators of business success that every CEO knows has a significant impact on the bottom line. Researchers estimate that today it costs five times, five times as much to acquire a new customer as it does to retain a current one. If you're not fully convinced, Consider this. For technology, it is Apple. For search engines, it is Google. For social networking, it is Facebook. For airlines, it is Delta. And I apologize, Greg and Claudia. <laughs> For online retailers, it is Amazon. For quick service restaurants, it is Chick- restaurants. What am I talking about? I'm talking about the brands that we feel most loyalty towards these days. These companies have the highest customer retention rates in their respective industries. But loyalty is not only crucial for business, it is central. It is central to healthy friendships, to marriages, militaries, international relationships between nations, interstate commerce, and personal peace. Treaties signed between nations are only as good as the loyalty that those nations give to the treaties that they have signed. Only being loyal to one's word, make contracts viable. Only being loyal to your convictions, will help you sleep well at night. If you have a righteous and a healthy conscience, as Greg pointed out to us last week, ultimately being loyal to one's marriage and the vows of that marriage will ensure that that marriage stays together. And I hope you can agree with that after what Brian shared with us this morning. Every area of life Every area of life that deals with relationships, interpersonal and international, depends a great deal on loyalty. You'll be hard pressed to think of a single facet of life that does not have loyalty as a core part of its foundation. Well, what is meant by loyalty? It's a personal characteristic that needs to be strong and not blind. Loyalty does have its limits and it always should have integrity and honesty as its book ends. Loyalty defined as being faithful to the people you love. The principles that you believe in and the priorities that are most important. It is sticking with and standing by people who need it the most. Ruth is both a book in the Bible and the name of its main character. But we would have not heard of neither if not for Ruth's incredible loyalty. Ruth is one of the greatest love stories in history. What comes as an even greater shock is that the whole story begins with and is built around the loyalty of a daughter-in-law to her mother-in-law. You know, if you think about it, the book of Ruth is basically a pamphlet. The entire account is given in only 85 verses. And it concerns ordinary people living in ordinary times who face ordinary problems. The story begins with three funerals. And it ends with a marriage and the birth of a baby. But this was no ordinary baby. The story takes you from the agony of defeat to the thrill of victory, and it should make you appreciate your family, your friends, your future, and your faith more than ever. Two Israelites, Elimelech and his wife Naomi, and their two sons, Malon and Kilon, lived in Bethlehem when a great famine and most likely, a significant economic depression occurred. Food and money most likely ran out, so Elimelech decides to take his family to the country of Moab. And soon after, Elimelech dies, and his two sons marry two Moabite women, Orpha and Ruth. And after about 10 years, both sons die. And now Naomi is left without a husband or her sons. In this period in culture, this is not a good situation. No way could three women, particularly widows with no children and no close relatives, hope to survive for a long time in a time of scarcity and the need to perform hard manual labor. Naomi. Naomi. This precious mother-in-law proves to be as much a mother as a mother-in-law in when she tells Orpha and Ruth what they need to do. She has heard from her relatives back home that life is better in Bethlehem and she intends to go back. But it would be bad, if not perhaps dangerous, for two Moabite women to go to a country where they're not even welcome. Naomi knows that they'll have a better chance of meeting a man, perhaps remarrying, and maybe even having children in Moab, plus they will be with or near the friends and the family that they have grown up with. Well, Orpha, she takes her up on the offer, and she hightails it back home. But Ruth, she digs in her heels. She says to her mother-in-law words that have become the greatest statements and definitions of loyalty ever written. The entire rest of the story hinges on what Ruth said, and here's what she said. Do not urge me to leave you or return from following you. For where you go, I will go. And where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people, and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die, and there will I be buried. May the Lord do so to me, and more also, if anything but death parts me from you. And when Naomi realized it, Ruth was determined to go with her, she said no more. You want to know what loyalty sounds like? Play those words over again. Do you want to know what loyalty looks like? Picture Ruth in your mind. You want to know what loyalty perhaps even smells like? Let the aroma of these words linger in the air. In that powerful statement, Ruth tells us four ways that anyone can manifest loyalty in their lives. First is to be loyal to your family. Ruth's loyalty began where the seed of loyalty is planted, fertilized, and grown, and that is in the family. But Ruth replied, Don't urge me to leave you or to turn back from you. Where you go, I will go, and where you stay, I will stay. Those words had the potential to cost Ruth more than she could know. As already mentioned, she is in the worst state of any young woman that could be in at that time. She's both childless, unmarried, and Naomi is going to a country where Ruth will not only be a foreigner, and an immigrant, but because of her Moabite background, will find it all but impossible, impossible to attract any male that would want to marry her. Beyond that, he would be condemned for marrying someone out of a pagan background and from a country at enmity with Israel. She would be condemned for marrying a Jewish man and castigated for taking advantage of Naomi's hospitality. Ruth is giving up everything, her country, her social standing, her friends, her relationships, her chances of remarrying and ever having children, all to spend it with a woman that she is not physically related to, who will probably struggle just to make ends meet. But when she married Naomi's son, she saw Naomi as a mother in love and not just a mother-in-law. Whether it's your mother or your mother-in-law, your brother or your brother-in-law, your son or your son-in-law, you need to be loyal to your family. Secondly, you need to be loyal to your friends. When Ruth said, your people will be my people, She was talking about Naomi's family, Naomi's friends, the Jewish community. Your people means the people that you grew up with, the people you played with as a child, the people you knew, the people that you were friends with. Those will be my people. Ruth wasn't just a daughter-in-law to Naomi. She was her forever friend. And loyalty separates your forever friends from your fair weather. Friends, So when you evaluate your friendships, don't ask how much fun they are to be with or how nice they are or how good they make you feel or how many Facebook followers they may have. Ask yourself whether they are the kind of person who's going to stand by your side when the bottom falls out, when the electricity gets turned off, and the diagnosis comes back far worse than you can imagine. When Ruth said these words to Naomi, Naomi knew that Ruth was more than just a daughter-in-law. She was a friend, a friend that was gonna stick closer than even a sister. You'll never learn who your real friends are in prosperity. You will learn who your real friends are only in adversity. And I promise you, this. None of us have as many friends as we think we have. When you find friends, be loyal to them. Always have their back. And third point is to be loyal to your faithfulness. When Ruth said, Where you die, I will die, and there I will be buried, may the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely, if even death separates you. me now that is loyalty Ruth basically is saying to her mother-in-law even if it costs me my life I'm not going to leave you or forsake you I'm going to live my life with you and if necessary I'm going to give my life for you I am not going to leave you wherever you live I'm going to live wherever you die I am going to die Naomi wouldn't have to worry though when she got to Bethlehem She was most likely thinking that if things got bad or the fire got too hot or that the food would get too low, that Ruth would most likely abandon ship and go back to Moab. But Ruth had made a lifetime commitment that Naomi would never be alone and never be abandoned. She had made a promise on her life and she meant to keep it till death. We need to be loyal to our convictions and what we believe. Loyal to our promises and what we say we will do. Loyal to our lenders to pay back what we owe. Loyal to keep our vows. And loyal always to stand for what is right and to stand against what is wrong. And lastly, be loyal to your faith. The most important thing that Ruth says regarding her loyalty is her loyalty to God. She said, your people will be my people and your God, my God. Talk about selling all out. Ruth was a Moabite. The Moabites descended from an incestuous relationship that Lot, a, naf- a nephew of Abraham, had with his two daughters, as recorded in Genesis chapter 19. The Moabites worshipped multiple false gods. They used temple prostitutes, and they offered human sacrifices to practice their religion. The Moabite culture epitomized everything that a faithful Israelite would hate and despise. Other foreigners like Egyptians or Edomites could join God's people, but God put the law down about the Moabites. And it's recorded back in Deuteronomy chapter 23, verses 3 through 6. Let me read what the Lord said there. No Ammonite or Moabite or any of their descendants may enter the assembly of the Lord, not even in the tenth generation. For they did not come to meet you with bread and water on your way when you came out of Egypt, and they hired Balaam, the son of Beor from Pethor of Mesopotamia, to pronounce a curse on you. However, the Lord your God would not listen to Balaam, but turned the the curse into a blessing for you, because the Lord your God loves you. Do not seek a treaty of friendship with them as long as as you live. For 10 generations, that's like 400 years, no Moabite or a descendant of a Moabite could enter the assembly of the Lord. And here's a young woman who had everything going against her and every reason to reject God. Her past was against her. She was raised in a pagan family who worshiped pagan gods. Her present was against her. She had all she had was a mother-in-law, no husband, no children, no source of income. Her future was against her, going to a land in a people where her ethnicity was a curse word, and most likely a not welcome sign would be put up over every neighbor's homes, and yet she says, your God will be my God. Her life had been radically changed by the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and she had turned away from every other false god that she had ever known and put everything on the line to worship the one true God. It's one of the most courageous confessions of faith you will find in the entire Bible. She left her blood relatives, but now she's a part of a new family. Not a flesh family, but a spiritual family. Not a physical family, but a forever family. Ruth had come to know the God of Naomi. She had forsaken the false gods of the Moabites and given her heart to the true God of the Israelites. Her mother-in-law of faith was more family to her than her mother of flesh. The only family that lives forever is the family of faith. As much as you may love your family and as much as I love mine, the greatest family in the world that you'll ever be a part of is this family, the family of faith. Well, God honored Ruth's loyalty. She does marry a wonderful man. She has a child in a culture that places far more value on sons than daughters. And she wins the respect of the Bethlehem women who say to Naomi about Ruth in chapter 4, For your daughter-in-law, who loves you and who is better to you than seven sons, has given him birth. The greatest blessing of all was that the son that she bore, who she named Obed, became the grandfather of David, who became the ancestor of Jesus. And because of her loyalty, God used her to bear a son and thus changed the history of the world. Our God is a loyal God. Our God will never leave us or forsake us. We owe it to him to be loyal to him, to be loyal to his church in worship, and loyal to him in our service. When we needed a savior to die, Jesus said, like a loyal friend, I'll be there. Now as his church needs us to serve and to worship him, Let's say with our presence and our passion, I'll be there. Loyal to a fault. You can define loyalty easier than you can find loyalty. Why? Because loyalty demands that we determine daily three important aspects. First, loyalty demands that we be candid. Loyalty is not blind. Loyalty and honesty are joined at the hip. Your true, most loyal friends will always tell the truth. Secondly, loyalty demands that we be consistent. Loyalty means that you will not approach criticism or gossip about a friend until you talk to that friend and get both sides of the story. It's called having their back. Loyalty means that not only will you not talk about a friend behind their back, but you won't allow others to also talk about them behind their back either. And thirdly, loyalty demands that we be courageous. Nothing takes more boldness and courage than to be willing and to be standing by our friends when others have abandoned them, to go against the flow to refuse to pile on or to jump on the bandwagon of criticism and condemnation, just because everyone else has. The chorus that we sung earlier reads, to Christ the Lord be true, for he will go with you and help you all your conflicts through. To Christ the Lord be true. This is the same Christ who was betrayed by a friend who became disloyal. But on the other hand, we sit here this morning as beneficiaries of Jesus's immense loyalty to his disciples, to his apostles, and especially to the will of his heavenly Father. May we endeavor to work on this aspect of our Christian character. It was once said that people are like trees. The shadow of the tree is one's reputation. The fruit of the tree is their personality. But the roots of the tree are the most important part because they nourish and they form the tree's foundation. May the characteristic of loyalty become one of those roots for you like it was or Ruth. Thank you for your attention.